Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Serverless Cast. We're coming to you live from the massive outdoor studios down by the highway in Austin at Serverless Conference. We have a super interesting guest here in Matt Weagle. Nice to meet you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. And, and so, Matt, what I really want to do is was talk a little bit um, about your your kind of product project. Mm. We'll get into that in a little bit. But before we did that, I really wanted to kind of get your take on state of serverless serverless conference because you're you're kind of one of the the super early guys in to this concept right and so so what was the origins of like your journey into all of this uh so my journey thanks uh, my journey started sort of as uh, sre style manager at adobe and seeing how much time my team spent doing operations and i had stepped away from adobe but it had always stuck with me how much time my team had spent doing that and i saw serverless as a way to to help offload some of those responsibilities definitely not abdicate them but you know help us get to the cloud faster so that we could focus on our core business yep and so that was really the origin of why i thought it was an interesting technology and also seeing sort of the architectural patterns that were evolving serverless seemed like sort of the natural end state for a lot of those um event-based isolated 12 factor a lot of these different trends converging to serverless and so that was sort of you see you see those trends happening and you think i, sh- I should get in early because i think it might be big <laughs> right right and and it, it was it was really nice to uh, one of the this is my first serverless conference and it was really nice to kind of meet everyone face to face that you've kind of twitter known yep for a while now Definitely. right and and we were just talking that you were kind of the same way we we didn't depending on how you look at it and if you know the history of the first serverless conference there's a bit of pride it, in that it was in Brooklyn, if I remember it correctly. It was in a warehouse and, in Brooklyn. It, and, and it had no heat and was nasty and hot. And so like yes. some people are very proud that they went to the first one yeah. and some people aren't. And so I feel like this has grown up, though. I wasn't able to make London. But this is a really nice conference, really good venue. Yeah, I think it's shown a lot of growth over the, the past couple conferences to be here now. Absolutely. And, and what has been your, like, what have you really liked? What have been your takeaways? What, what has been your impressions? I think my, my general takeaway is the excitement and the diversity of the audience. Um, I've talked to vendor providers, obviously, but also enterprises that are looking to complement their lift and shift strategy with serverless. Uh, startups that are looking to minimize their upfront investment so they can get better pricing or uh, faster time to market, uh, people that are trying to supplement vendor providers with observability tools and things like that, and just a real diverse type and uh, array of, of customers and participants, and everyone generally being optimistic in terms of where it's going. I know there's, you know, serverless, we're not going to go into what does it mean, <laughs> but in general, there's a sense that whatever it means, it's something that I think has a lot of uh, opportunity. Yeah, and, 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 and I would agree with you and also add to what I really like about it is there's so many practitioners here. Yes. Yes. Um, and and not to pick on some of the other projects I've been involved with too much in the past, but I'm going to a little bit. The the idea you, you have this idea, this concept, this technology wave, if you will, mm-hmm. right? And everyone wants to start riding it, right? And and you have the folks that kind of get in early, but it's the folks that get in super early are the folks that really just want to solve problems. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, then a lot of folks kind of go. A lot of when I say folks, I say the vendors mm-hmm. kind of go. Hey, that looks cool. There might be money to be made on that, and then yeah. you kind of get the vendors swooping in. <laughs> they're, they're, 
th- there is a tendency for sort of the lead generation, I think is what they call yes, it. Yes, yes, yes that's yes. right. Sort of the first movers sort of, you know, they, they're the, the, the pioneers yeah. and then providing insight for vendors to come in. And I think right now it's still early. So there are people now that are, you know, vendors are coming in. And even the vendors, uh, I run the Seattle serverless meetup. And even there, there's an open conversation among the vendors because I think everyone is still trying to figure out sort of what where it should go. I think yeah. everyone sees how powerful it could be, but yep. it's still early. That's a great point, talking about Seattle specifically, because you run the meetups up there. Mm-hmm. You also run the serverless Slack channel that some people may or may not know about. They do. And, yeah. and so, so tell everyone a little bit uh, about that and, and how, could the, how they could get involved if they want to. Definitely. So the serverless Slack forum is a, a general channel for practitioners, for vendors, for people who are just using serverless, who aren't framework providers, just anyone who's involved in the community, a common place for everyone to come and have a dialogue. Uh, it's meant to be a shared space for everyone to participate. It started after the, actually the last, the, the serverless conference in Brooklyn. Um, and um, there is a automatic uh, auth zero powered web task invite if you'd like to join. And I think we can probably attach that to the show notes at the end. Yes. Uh, yes. People would like to join. Uh, very open community, very friendly uh, if you have vendor-specific questions, there's vendor-specific channels, and there's also a general channel if you just kind of want to talk serverless. Yeah, and and I would add too, I've been a, a member of that community for a while, and it's 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 just a, a fantastic community of a lot of folks that just kind of want to roll up their sleeves and a combination of learn a lot and get shit done. There's a lot of, of GSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but I would say this too, and I and actually say this about the, the this entire community in general. It's it's um it, it's very inviting. Mm-hmm. You know, some some the communities tend to have a, a high barrier to entry and a little bit of like you're not worthy to be in this you don't have that at all here no, there's very no. low ego in in a lot of the serverless which is which i found which is very fascinating yeah and i i think that's because it's 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 very open um because it's early and also because it it supports a lot of different architectural patterns and languages so it really has to be welcoming to everyone um and a lot of people that are early movers in serverless have run things in production for long periods of time, and we know that, you know, we all have to work together if we want it to work well. It's a it's a solve the shared pain model. It is a solve the shared, <laughs> and there is so much pain that goes around. <laughs> so let, let's talk a little bit about your project as well. Um, so make sure I get this correctly. I want to get the website is GoSparta.io. That's correct. And Go framework for Lambda. Yeah. So it's okay. a it's a Go framework for AWS Lambda, and what it tries to do is uh, it provides a, a framework so you can write a standard Go application use all the standard Go software development lifecycle tools like unit testing, documentation, things like that, but then leverage the power of serverless when it comes to deploy. So it has enough uh, knowledge built in so it can do things like auto-marshal your code to cloud formation, implicitly give you infrastructure as code, allow you to hook up CloudWatch monitoring, metrics, and deploy all of that through cloud formation and if you, at some point, you know, maybe you start going all serverless and then your business evolves and you'd like to shift some of your microservice domain to, say, a container, you're able to say, I'd like these functions to run a serverless, I'd like these other functions to run in a container, and, but you can, can you provision them all in Amazon as a single operation? So it's really trying to give you a nice, graceful onboarding path using the existing development metaphor, but then leveraging 
serverless when you get to the cloud. Gotcha. And, and what are some of the, uh, this is kind of the, the standard question we're asking everyone at the conference here because, because people are still wrapping their head around everything. Yeah. What are kind of some of the use cases that are really sticking? I think some of the use cases, the, the, I think because it's early and a lot of people sort of want to get their feet wet, cron-style jobs, continual compliance-style jobs, uh, event-based jobs where they're manipulating data, say, from a Kinesis stream into an Elk stack or something like that, where they're doing data transformations that are non-critical path or non-latency sensitive. Those are the first sort of the perimeter where people get into serverless. I think we'll start to see more, I hesitate to use the M word microservice, (laughs) um, but I I think we'll start to see more microservices that are serverless based, um, that use functions to implement some bounded context of functionality. Uh, But I, I think that's I, I think it takes a bit of time for people to get comfortable with observability and deployability and getting your team on board with it before you're willing to sort of commit to that next jump. Sure, sure. And, and what are some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing right now, either in Lambda or just in the framework in general? Uh, I think there's two. So if you, if you have an existing application, it can be a monolith, elegant or otherwise, or a microlith. Um, over the years... Ooh, microlith. Yeah, I haven't microlith. heard that one yet. I think I just made that up. <laughs> um, you heard it here first. Exactly. I'm just quickly going to hover. Um, so the, if you have those kinds of code bases, you may have accumulated a lot of accidental complexity along the way as you've sort of gone through your migration. And serverless really is an opportunity for you to rethink your application and build from the cloud down rather than take your application up. So a lot of it is sort of reframing your problem and focusing on your business logic and pulling apart independent concerns. So that's one area that's kind of a development process. And there's definitely an operational and observability problem. Um, There's no chance to SSH and S-trace. Not that that's often a recommended best practice, but I'm sure many listeners have done that. I know I have. Um, but you really need to think about how can I make this ephemeral service that only exists on demand, how can I get observability? How can I get introspection? How can I replay failed events? How do I handle, um, if serverless is very good for spiky workloads, I also need to think about that when I provision, say, my IO for my database, right? How do I make sure that, that all of those pieces together work well? And I think that's, that's still a challenge. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point. Lastly, uh, this is kind of a crystal ball question for you. So there are no wrong answers. Where do you think serverless in general has to go or has to evolve to next to kind of increase the growth and increase the adoption? I think customer stories like uh, Nordstrom and iRobot, those are very compelling customer stories uh, about how customers have put it in practice and seen either significant agility velocity gains for development or cost savings. I think those are really compelling use cases. And I think the tooling and developer experience, that's another area for growth. Uh, And observability, um, it's just, I think we've accumulated a lot of these discrete domains and serverless, I think you get to that complexity sooner you're going to hit that complexity with, with VMs, with Docker. But serverless, you can, you can run into that complexity by the end of the day. Uh, and it's just sort of recognizing that, that there's this wall of complexity and, you know, the Death Star architectures that you might run into. <laughs> you can run into them by Friday if you start on Monday. Sure. Uh, and that's just something that, you know, uh, you, have to, you have to continue to keep under control as you, as you continue to evolve your service. Yep. Great, great, great points as well. So, Matt, where can everyone else find out more about you, find out about GoSparta, find out about the serverless? I am on Twitter at mweagle, M-W-E-A-G-L-E. I'm also in the Gophers Slack group, and I'm the admin for the uh, serverless Slack forum. 
uh, and there'll be a, a, an invite link in the show notes. And I'm also a host of the uh, Seattle Serverless Meetup, and I would love anyone who's in the Pacific Northwest to drop me a line and uh, talk about presenting. All right. Thank you very much for your time, Matt. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.